Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Welcome back. We took a little break because Bonnie popped out a baby. (laughs) Well, do you want to introduce, you know, what you had? As a mother, you're like totally worried about doing stuff that appears selfish. Anyway, I've totally digressed. But <laughs> Hello and welcome. This week we're talking about the mental load. We'll chat about what the mental load is, who should be carrying it, and some simple ways that you can share the burden in your relationship. Welcome back. We took a little break because Bonnie popped out a baby. (laughs) If only it was as easy as popping a balloon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you want to introduce, you know, what you had? Yes. So I had a baby boy, Nate, Nathaniel. Um, For those who like to measure in pounds, he was eight pounds three, the exact same as my first baby boy, which is really kind of creepy. And then those who who measure in grams, he was 2.72 kilograms. So he's about 10 grams, 10 grams off what the first one was, but pounds makes it exactly the same. Don't know why I gave you all that information. But anyway, he's super cute. He's about eight weeks old now and his older siblings absolutely adore him and it's hard to keep them away from him, which for most people who are in the southern hemisphere coming out of winter has been... Yeah, a little tricky because, you know, we've got a three-year-old at daycare and so he got his first bug at 10 days old, which of course when you're a newborn, that doesn't go so well. So we actually ended up back in the hospital for four days while he was working through that. So yeah, it's been it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a blast. <laughs> like it's just, it's just my crazy life and my husband and I keep saying to each other, never a dull moment in our house. <laughs> Absolutely not. But yes, very excited and happy to welcome this sweet little nephew into the world. And for our regular listeners, you may have wondered where we disappeared to. We did do a post on our social media letting you guys know that we were taking a wee break as Bonnie was busy with a newborn, number four in her family. And I, of course, have been quite busy at uni. I am currently in the early stages of my thesis as well as my normal studies. So it's just been really, really busy. So we thought we'd take a wee little break and then come back with some quality home organisation content. And I'm super excited about this episode because, as you say, you are in the thick of it with your thesis and that's kind of prompted the theme for today's episode about the mental load. And I feel like especially with the way that the world is at the moment and the thing that we're all facing together, I feel like the mental load is something that is felt particularly more heavily at the moment. So let's dive right in and um, chat all things mental load, Lil. Oh gosh, the problem would be getting me to stop on, you know, how much time have we got? Uh, So for those of you who aren't really familiar with the mental load, the mental load is basically, it's not the physical responsibilities that we have in like our household of, you know, things that need to be done, but it's actually what we hold mentally in our heads, thinking and knowing and remembering and planning and everything up in our heads. And then the physical act of doing that, that is physical labor. So mental labor isn't who mops the house the most. 
but it might be who thinks that the house needs mopping, who mentally holds in their head how frequently the house should be mopped and sends, you know, sets out those reminders to the kids or to their partner or what have you. So it's all the mental stuff that we hold on to up in our head. And, you know, I love that comic by that artist named Emma. And for anyone who um, hasn't seen it, we'll put a link in our show notes. It's such a beautiful way of describing what in recent years people have started to be able to put a name to, which is this idea of mental load or mental labor. And and in this beautiful comic, she basically had a scene between a husband and a wife. And he turned around and said this famous line, which was when she was so exasperated at the end of the day and frustrated with him. And he turned around and said, all you had to do was ask. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. And predominantly a lot of women is this sense that we somehow took on this role of project manager. We went out into the workforce and we started increasing our working life, moving away from a domesticated life. But we also kept those domestic responsibilities as well as taking on these new responsibilities at work. And so there's been this societal conditioning for many households, not all of them, where women often seem to hold a lot of mental uh, labor, mental responsibilities. And once we finally put a name to it, it can help us kind of go, oh, that's that sense of that where I'm always feeling tired at the end of the day because I'm holding up and juggling all these mental balls in the air. And once we name it and go, oh, that's the mental load, then we can start to deconstruct and understand how it's affecting our well-being, but also the relationship that we have with our partner. So in your household, who would you say holds the mental load? Is it you or is it is it shared? It depends on which component of the mental load. There are some things where, you know, in some households, like one part of the mental load might be financial decision-making and planning around finances. And so that was gendered to often be something that the male figure of the house would do. And so for many people, it might be still that the male in the relationship actually takes on a lot of the financial responsibilities. For us, it just, it depends. There are definitely some areas where um, it is my strength that I take on some of those responsibilities. And then there's other areas where he takes on those responsibilities. But what I find is most interesting is one of the things that I'm seeing, and I don't know if you can relate to this with your friendship groups and your own personal experience, Bonnie, and maybe our listeners can too, is more and more as we become aware of the discrepancy of physical and mental labor within couples, I feel like a lot of men are stepping up to the plate and doing a lot more physical, domesticated, typically what would have been associated as responsibilities that a woman would do. So, you know, a lot more of the cleaning or what have you. And what's interesting about that is that they're taking on a lot of the physical labor, but does that actually mean that we're also taking on as much of the mental labor? Maybe not. And that's why I wanted to do this episode because it's just such a fascinating topic. Is that something you've noticed with your friends? Yeah. I really feel like compared to like our parents' generation that our husbands do tend to do a lot more than like our dads did when we were growing up and I for one am very grateful for that. Yeah, I it is interesting because like in my marriage in particular, we we are starting to share more of the mental load. I mean, there's certainly a larger proportion that I take care of and that's that's probably just because I'm a really organized person and I like 
things to be done a particular way. And my husband acknowledges that he tends to have a bit of, you know, ADHD type tendencies where he forgets things or he gets distracted easily or he actually can't, his brain can't cope with some of those extra responsibilities. So it works well in our relationship that I kind of take on most of that stuff. But the thing that is really good is that when we have those conversations about what's going on this week and who can do what, that there's not that guilt factor if I just ask him to do something or if he can actually work out now, oh, this is what needs to happen and he'll immediately be like, oh, well, I'll take care of that. So I feel like the longer that you're in a relationship, the more you get to know each other and the more you get to work together to to make things better for the other person. Like, for example, we've obviously got four young children. They're four, four of them under seven. And during the last couple of years when we're putting, you know, kids to bed at night, we've generally had this philosophy throughout our marriage of like whoever cooks doesn't clean up, right? And so since having our first child in 2014 and I was so nauseous during the pregnancy, my husband started taking on a lot of the cooking responsibilities and that's just kind of kept going till now. So to the point where he doesn't say to me, oh, what's for dinner? He's like, I'm thinking about doing this for dinner, which is so amazing. And like I love to cook and I'll probably do, you know, 25% of the cooking, but I love the fact that he's actually taken on most of that responsibility for what we're doing on a daily basis. And so usually it would be me cleaning up the kitchen and if he's had enough of the kids, he might not want to be putting them to bed or whatnot. And so it got to the point where he would cook but he would also clean up while I was putting the kids to bed because he saw that, hey, if we work together as a team and get these jobs that need to be done for the household done, even though, you know, the distribution is not what we originally kind of discussed – We both get to sit down and enjoy having some kid-free adult time together rather than him going off to watch TV or or play PlayStation while I clean the kitchen, put all the kids to bed and and do all that, you know, household tasks and stuff. Mm. So that's, that's probably been the biggest blessing. Like we've been married nearly 13 years now and I've just found over the last kind of maybe four to five years that there has been this real shift where we are really working together as a team a lot more. I mean, it's not perfect. No relationship mm-hmm. is. We still have those those times where we're like, I just can't be bothered being a team player. But generally speaking, I feel like it is shared a lot more in our house, which does does make it a lot easier to bear. And you're speaking to what I am noticing as a trend with our, you know, our upcoming generation and the generations now um, ahead of us as well, is that there has been this like division of the physical responsibilities that you are describing in the house where it is like, you know, I'm cooking more, I'm cleaning more. And the thing that's so interesting about the mental load is it's like, okay, well, we've identified that we're starting to get much more balanced physically, but with our mental load, are we starting to also both, you know, like you were saying, he's thinking about the meal and what he's planning. That's mental load. Does he, you know, does he then plan the, think about the grocery list and then also be like, oh, I know that pumpkin needs eating by tomorrow or that meat needs eating by tomorrow. You know, all those things that we kind of hold in our head is that mental load. And so what I thought would be cool um, for today's episode, we're obviously going to talk about how it impacts our mental health and how it impacts our house. And so as you're listening, I want you to think, as I describe each of these um, five components, who in your household is more inclined to do these? And it, the, the thing that's cool about this is it's not meant to stir up resentment <laughs> or like give you like fuel for a witch hunt, 
But it's like really awesome that we're like able to like look in and kind of be like, maybe that's why I'm frustrated or maybe that's why I'm tired or maybe, you know, that's why he's frustrated or tired is we haven't communicated about this thing because we haven't been able to put a name to it. And once you cannot kind of identify it, you can start to like, you can start to work through it. So the mental load, we can actually break it down into five different components. One, planning and strategizing. Two, monitoring and anticipating needs. Three, knowing. Four, managerial thinking. And five, self-regulating. And we're going to break those down in this episode today. So part one component is talking about planning and strategizing. So who in the household plans activities, decides who and when you're going to go out and like socialize, chooses and organize the activities that you guys are going to do as a couple or as a family. And then the strategizing is like your time management. So pre-planning, allocating resources, um, strategic placement of household items, things like that. It's a pretty broad category. But when you hear that, Bonnie, who do you think that falls on in your house? Oh, it's definitely me because that's my my skill set and that's not my husband's skill at all. So that stage is 100% me. What about you? Yeah, my husband and I are getting more and more balanced with that kind of stuff. Like when we go on weekends away, he um, tends to plan them now. It's much more balanced than it used to be, which has been really awesome. We actually just went for a weekend away and one of the things I said to him that I really loved is, I love now going away places and he's like planned our hikes and all that kind of thing. And I just turn up because it's just like one area of my life where I just turn up and it's like so uncommon. It's so refreshing. But it also on the flip side of that, I feel lazy because I've just turned up and not put in any like preparation or effort and I'm just like there. Um, Isn't that weird so though yeah. that that's like the default mode that we feel guilty about not, yeah, like like putting any effort into it? I read this really interesting post, an article on Facebook actually just in the last 24 hours where it was talking about how as mothers we we do the grocery shopping and we go and um, do those kind of like essential things for our family. But if we do them without kids, it's like, oh, this is so amazing. And how the article's talking about, no, 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 that that's not actually time for you. That's not self-care. That's just contributing to the family like self-care is doing something that's completely for you that doesn't Mm. actually contribute to the household so it might be like you know going to yoga or getting a massage or having a walk along the beach by yourself and I just thought that's so true like I I immediately if I if I go shopping and and you know get winter clothes because we need winter clothes I'm like oh this is so nice without kids and then if I do do something like say go to the gym there is that element of guilt that pops up because completely for you yeah it's completely for me and like yesterday for example I was all set to go to the gym and our six-year-old woke up and was quite you know barky with his cough and I thought I've got to take you to the doctor and there was a walk-in clinic straight after school so I dropped the five-year-old off at school and I took him to the doctor instead of going to the gym myself because I felt guilty about my husband having to take him and the two younger boys to the doctor while I went to the gym. So it's Mm -hmm. like you just constantly have to, as a mother, you're like totally worried about, yeah, doing stuff that appears selfish. Anyway, I've totally digressed, but... Well, and I don't, and I think that's something that many mothers would resonate with, but I don't think it's, you know, something that mothers alone necessarily feel. I think there are definitely elements, especially when kids are in the picture where it's like taking time for yourself and knowing your partner is then having to pull, pull the weight where you're not there. It's like, it it is something challenging to think about. So that was number one. So number two is monitoring and anticipating needs. So this involves like the housekeeping. So not the physical act, but thinking about it, right? Monitoring how clean your house is. 
maintaining your cleaning schedule, monitoring your personal and household sanitation resources, maintenance, so monitoring preventative maintenance of household items, decision regarding repair and replacement of items, monitoring item functional capacity, uh, personal support, so emotional support for loved ones, listening with care, monitoring emotional well-being, and resources, monitoring household resources, you know, noting when things are getting low and going to need to be bought soon. So one thing that I think is cool is that a lot of the emotional care, at least from research and, you know, just anecdotally and like, you know, societally, societal norms, was that a lot of the emotional responsibilities were normalised to be women's roles and that is not the case anymore. And so I'm sure you can attest to the fact that your husband does a lot with the emotional care of the kids. Yeah, and that's another thing that I feel is really different compared to like our parents' generation is that, you know, men were often seen as the authority figure and the disciplinarian, whereas mum was the nurturer and whatever. And I I find that there's, yeah, a real shift. And while that probably does fall a lot into my category, especially that emotional well-being, and sometimes I feel like because I do feel like I have a bit more emotional intelligence than my husband does. I do feel like sometimes there's, you know, situations going on where I have to stop afterwards and go like, okay, so this is what I think was going on for our child um, and just explain things. And he's like, I think he seems to appreciate that. He doesn't feel like I'm interfering, which is good. But there are other times where I'm not being emotionally intelligent with something that's going on for our kids. And he's the one that actually gets down to their level and connects better with them and, and says to me, this is what's going on. So yeah, I, I do feel like there is a really good shift and it's not just mum being the nurturer and role model for, for that emotional stuff anymore. Yes. And what a nice shift to see. So part three, we can identify of the mental load is knowing. So remembering important dates, events and appointments, reminding others of important dates events and appointments. And I think this is like one of those key components of the mental load is that remembering and, you know, knowing I'm due to go to the dentist and knowing that the kids, you know, are due for their skin checks, whatever it might be. And also under knowing, you know, housekeeping knowledge. So like knowing how is, how is it appropriate to do this job? So yes, I remember that we're really due to do a big clean of the oven, but also knowing how to do that task. That's a mental, you know, that's something that's up there in our mental load. But there's also technical knowledge. And this often stereotypically fell a lot of the time to men, knowledge and, you know, knowledge and skills around repairing things and things like that. So for me in in my household, I definitely feel like I remind a lot and go, oh, this is due. Oh, we've got to remember to do this. And have you remembered to do that? And this is the part that I think gets us into that really tricky territory of nagging. Mm. Very true because you are on top of what needs to be done and it's not Mm -hmm. something that your partner has maybe remembered and so when they're reminded of something and especially if it's something that is seen as, you know, a mundane job or something they don't want to do, it's like, oh, oh, that's right. And I, I know in our relationship there's been plenty of those times where I've said, oh, oh, we need to sit down and, you know, do a financial check. Like we do the barefoot budget and we usually, you know, check in on our bank statements like every two weeks and now it's been a month just because life's gotten in the way. And there can be like a week where I'm almost every day saying, oh, remember we need to do barefoot. Oh, remember we need to do barefoot. And he kind of gets to the point where he's like, oh, that, that's right. Like I just, you know. He just doesn't want to do it sort of thing. Yeah, and you start to sound like a broken record. You feel, you know, and like when you think about your like romantic relationship, like how attractive does it feel to feel like you're constantly telling someone what to do? Like there's a part of that that doesn't necessarily feel great. There's a part of it 
it's like, you know, people love it and love the control and the power, but also for the person on the other end who constantly feels like they're being reminded of something to do. And you can see how like this part of the mental load can really cause like tension in relationships where it's like, you know, I want you to remember your own thing, but we're now trapped in a cycle where you're used to me reminding you. And now if I don't remind you, it won't happen, but then we all suffer the consequences. So it's easier if I just remind you. And I, you know, you see, it's this, it's something that you see with like teenagers too, right? Where like, the teenagers are trapped in a cycle with the parents where the parents are like, I just want them to do this thing. So I do it for them. And then there's that kind of like learned helplessness where it's like, I don't know how to do my laundry. Mum um, will just do it for me or dad will just do it for me or whatever it might be. So yeah, knowing um, that's another one. Part four, you could say the mental. One of the parenting books that I was reading or I have read over the last couple of years where it talks about trying to get your kids to learn to do things instead of you having to remind them is it used the phrase, have you got the freedom to do this? So say they've been crafting and they haven't tied it up before they want to go on to the next activity. The phrasing that this book suggests that you use is along the lines of, have you got the freedom? So it's not necessarily have you packed up because that's kind of taking the responsibility on yourself. It's just asking them like, what have you forgotten? Or is there something you've forgotten? And I've started well, I've used for a few years now that sort of terminology with my kids, especially in the mornings when it comes to making their bed and opening their blinds and stuff like that. And I might say, like, if I've noticed that something hasn't been done, I might say, oh, is there anything you've forgotten in your room? And sometimes for my five-year-old who's ADHD, I might have to stand in the doorway with her and say, okay, look around. I can see three things that haven't been done. And she will be able to then point them out. Because the thing with a lot of kids, doesn't matter whether they're, you know, ASD, ADHD or they're just young, they don't cope well when you just say, oh, is everything done? For example, last week when my husband picked up our six-year-old from school, he said, have you got everything? And my six-year-old said, yeah, 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 I do. And then he got home and was like, oh, I've left my water bottle at school. And so sometimes kids need like numbers are really good to help them remember things. Like, for example, if you take a water bottle and a lunchbox and a jumper to school every day, you can say, okay, there's three things that you need to particularly remember at the end of the day that you've got them. Okay, have you got your three things? Oh, this was number one, this was number two, this is number three. And that can just be a really good reminder for them to remember, oh, yep, at the end of the day, I've got to check those three things off that I've got them rather than have you got everything because that's just too overwhelming for them. Yeah, it's like when they when kids hop into the car at the end of a day and you say, how was your day? And they're like, what does that even mean, mom? What does that mean, dad? It's like such a broad question. Yeah, and you find like specifics. I agree. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll talk more about how getting organized will actually help ease that mental burden. You've got mail. All right, this week's listener question comes to us from Christine. We've just moved from a five-bedroom, two-reception room and study and office house to a three-bedroom unit. We gave away a ton of stuff and we're still trying to systemize. What are some tips that you have? Well, considering we've just actually helped our parents do this, they've just sold their house of 20 years that was four bedrooms plus study plus, you know, three or four living spaces, um, and they've moved into a three-bedroom unit on the Sunshine Coast. This is very timely, this question. I think it comes down to starting with the things that you absolutely need, use and love. 
and make sure that they that there's a space for those things first and then bring the other stuff in if there's room and they have they have a functionality what do you reckon yeah i'd agree if you've got if you've got the capability to only take even in in small doses the things that you need use and love um mum and dad kind of had that positions many people won't uh but they've taken exactly what they wanted and then been able to look around and go okay yep we do have space for that i will bring that too so yeah try that strategy of just taking in the things you know you definitely want or need or love and then fill in the gaps from there don't just like pack everything into boxes and bring it over yeah and don't fall into the trap of we'll deal with it on the other end because life gets in the way and then those boxes just take up space in the garage and you get complacent and it doesn't matter that you can't park the car in there anymore and then all of a sudden it's seven years later and you're like how have we never sorted this stuff out and as far as systemizing goes uh, be open to the fact that the systems that you had in your bigger house probably need to change for a smaller house so yeah Uh, So thank you for that question. And if you guys have other questions, be sure to head to our social media and give us a shout out and we'll answer them on the pod or jump into the Facebook group, Little Home Organised Community. So number four is managerial thinking. So like the coordinating, um, prioritising competing demands, managing people and task completion, keeping track of the tasks and evaluating. So that's like financial decision-making, mutual goal-setting, balancing, clashing schedules, So managerial thinking, um, where do you fall on that? Yeah, probably a fair bit of that is actually me and that's once again my skill set, I suppose. Um, But we do tend to have those kind of, yeah, meetings and and say, okay, well, this is going on and we kind of try to coordinate that stuff together. But but definitely because I'm the organiser and I'm the one that set up our family calendars and all of those sort of things, I do tend to be the one that kind of – yeah, runs things, I guess, a little bit more. And honestly, at the moment, because I'm on maternity leave and I'm not, you know, working two days a week or three days a week like I was beforehand, I feel like I can cope with that stuff a lot better, even though I do have four little ones. It will be when I return to work that that stuff will get a bit trickier again. Yeah. And as we, we've got one more to go, but as you go through these, you can start to see that if you're in a relationship where you're carrying on a whole lot of the mental load, you can start to understand why people might be feeling like, stressed or dissatisfied. But the important thing to note about all of this is that even if one of you is the managerial thinker and one of you is the person who monitors and anticipates needs, it doesn't necessarily mean because you hold more that you're more unhappy. Because some people love having the mental load because there's a sense of control or it just works really well in their relationship. But I think it's also, yeah, it's really helpful to kind of know and recognize, you know, everything that um, our partners are doing for us and we are doing for them. Finally, self-regulating. So mental preparation and regulation, cognitive strategies that manage emotions, personal adjustments, self-soothing, and consideration and compromise. So prioritizing the wishes and needs of loved ones when making our decisions. Mm, Where do you sit on that? (laughs) Do you want to answer that one? Um, I think because my um, husband and I are both in a a field that is people-based, where we both work pretty hard on this, I think it's definitely a a strength of his for sure. Um, yeah. How about you? Yeah. I think that I probably do have a bit more of the lion's share with most of these stages, but it's not like it's a a 95% load. So some, some of them are definitely more, you know, maybe like 60, 40, whereas others might be more like seven, 70, 30. So 
I think this is one where, yeah, it's probably more like a 60-40 split, which is, you know, I think pretty pretty fair considering our skill sets. And the, the thing that I've been talking about with girlfriends over the last couple of days is in our relationship in particular, my husband really feels that burden to provide. And that's a burden I don't really understand because I, I'm kind of always like, oh, yeah, you know, like it'll it'll work itself out. I've got faith that it'll it'll all work out in the wash. And and he just has this absolute burden of I've got a family of four kids and a dog to provide for. And so that's a real focus for him, especially in, you know, today's climate and all the uncertainty that goes on. So I think I need to cut him a bit of slack in some areas because he's already kind of coping with a lot. Okay, so talking about the mental load and how it actually impacts our mental health, I think that the one thing, if I could say to anybody, the one thing to take away from today's episode is that being a good communicator and being on the same page and working as a team with your spouse or with your housemates, if you're in a share house, is the way to overcome that burnout from that mental load. What about you? Yeah, so research shows that the mental load affects our mental health um, and it's a two-way street. So people who live in cluttered homes often um, may have worse mental health, like there is a relationship there. But there's also the relationship between having poor mental health then means that your house becomes cluttered and disorganised. So what's important is recognising your capabilities for wherever you are, um, if you're in, a, like, in the depths of a deep mental health struggle, just being kind to yourself and acknowledging what you can and cannot deal with. But the purpose of today's episode, I think, is about highlighting the mental load is real. It is a responsibility that is held in, in households. Um, when we live by ourselves, we might hold all of it. But when we're partnered, when we have children, there's a lot of responsibilities and it's not just the physical tasks, but it's the mental reminding. And so one of the things that home organisation can help you with is setting up systems so you can share that burden. And so you think of like your go zones and your command centres. That's a beautiful example of how you can take all of that information that's up in your head, remembering the appointments, remembering who has to go to soccer practice after school today on a Tuesday, all that kind of stuff. Having a checklist that says, in September or in spring or, you know, whatever time of year we go and we start doing these maintenance jobs around the house and setting up those systems so that they're physical, you can see them on paper and it starts to really highlight how much is being held in our heads and we share that burden across our our partners and we share those responsibilities in our family to start to get a bit more equality if we're finding we're not coping with the mental load. Or perhaps you're someone who's like, yeah, I take on most of the mental load and I don't want to give a bar of it away. I absolutely love it. It gives me a sense of control and power in my home. You know, power to you. But, you know, recognizing that there are responsibilities that you are doing that if you're wondering why you're so burnt out and it's only a couple of months into the year, you know, perhaps it is the mental load that you're carrying. Okay. So for today's tidy task, all we want you to do is basically have a conversation with the other adults in your household about the mental load and are there any things that you can delegate to them so that you are working a bit more as a team. Now, Lil, because you are starting your thesis and you're you're right in the thick of the mental load, you are wanting some participation from some of our listeners, aren't you? Yes, there'll be information on our social media about the survey. If you'd like to participate in that survey on the mental load, you're welcome to do it. It'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks to month or so. So keep an eye out on the page there. If you haven't been tuning into the podcast for a while, you may have missed a very exciting announcement, and that is Little Home Organised. That's us. We've released a brand new course. 
Yay! The organised wardrobe. That's right, a course solely dedicated to getting that wardrobe in tip-top condition. Bonnie, what can people expect? So if you're a time-poor person and you find that getting dressed in the morning is just giving you such a headache, the organised wardrobe is the course for you. We will help you zone your wardrobe. We will help you let go of the items that are no longer serving you. And we will help you organise your wardrobe to within an inch of its life so that in the morning it takes you less than five minutes to get dressed and you walk out the door feeling fabulous. Ah, doesn't that sound good? (laughs) But the thing I love, of course, Bonnie, is that our courses are DIY, which means that you can jump on online anytime, log in, do a module, try it at home and do it at your own pace, which is fabulous for the busy, time-poor parent. Because life does get in the way sometimes and it's great to know that you can just come back and pick up from where you left off. And as long as this course is offered, you will have access to it. So if that sounds like something that you want to incorporate in your life, you want to get your wardrobe looking spick and span and loving it every time you open that door, this is for you. Head to littlehomeorganised.com.au and check out the organised wardrobe. Awesome. So that's all for this week's episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in and lending us your ears. And remember, progress, not perfection. Bye. See you later. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world. Listener.